wedding, there was royal family, there were lots of people there. Um, but friends, this is a much more significant royal family that's gathered here this morning. Uh, God says we're a royal priesthood, a holy people uh, belonging to God. And so that is, uh, that is far more significant than what we saw on the TV yesterday. And we worship the real King, um, King Jesus. How about we pray as we open his word today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Uh, thank you, God, Lord God, that you're a God who, who loves us dearly, uh, that you've shown yourself to us in your Son, uh, your King, your anointed King, King Jesus. So, Lord, we pray um, that you would help, help me to speak clearly, uh, help me to be faithful to your word, and, Lord, help us to listen and put your words into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, look, it might seem like a bit of a strange question to ask in church. But do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Now, my, my, uh, my guess is that since you've turned up to church, um, at the very least, you've got an interest in God. Uh, you're happy talking about God. You're happy probably singing a few songs and that sort of thing. You're, you're pretty comfortable thinking about God. Now, here's our problem, though, that for those of us who do actually believe in God, we very easily forget the astonishing difference that such a belief in God makes in everything. Too often to believe in God is treated as though it were simply one part of a person's outlook in life, perhaps even a minor part. So picture the scene. You're off to a, some sort of party and uh, you've met someone you didn't know before and you start chatting, you introduce yourself and so on and uh, you start talking a little bit about yourself. I'm an architect. I live in Robertson. I uh, love playing soccer, I like bike riding, I enjoy travelling, I'm a conservative when it comes to politics. At this point the, the conversation is sounding pretty awkward, isn't it really? Uh, not much good, but anyway, stay with me. Um, and I believe in God. So God is just one of many things we believe in or do. But God says there's a great danger in this. The person who thinks belief in God is just a small thing one of many attitudes that shape their existence, well, that person does not believe in the God of whom the Bible speaks. So, do you believe in God? So the person who believes in God and not just some idea of God understands things differently. They, they see the world differently. They make decisions differently. They live differently because of that belief. Their values and their ambitions uh, Joys, sorrows, loves, hates, motivations, they'll all be different because they believe in God. Why and how this is so, well, that's the theme of 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 10. Hannah's prayer, well, it's a bit like a song, actually, and it's Hannah's second prayer, isn't it? We saw her first prayer last week. If you've got your outlines there, you can um, grab them from your bulletin. Uh, that will help seeing where we're going. And you can see I've broken up the prayer into three little parts. God, the one and only, verses 1 and 2. God, the one who transforms, in verses 3 to 8. It's sort of like the body. And uh, the victorious God, which is the concluding verses. A bit like an essay, really, if, that's, if that uh, tickles your fancy. All right. God, the one and only. Here's the first little introductory verses in Hannah's prayer. See, first up, we could hardly accuse Hannah of living a, uh, a super, well, of having a superficial belief in God, could we? 
Look at her words. She speaks first of her joy and delight in the Lord. My heart rejoices in the Lord, and in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. It's a far cry from last week, isn't it? Remember chapter 1 last week, where she wept bitterly in her distressed state about the taunt, from the taunts of uh, Peninnah and, and her childless state. And let's note the difference that God has made to her heart, her strength and her mouth. Her heart has been transformed from being downhearted, from chapter 1 verse 8, and troubled in spirit, chapter 1 verse 15, to my heart rejoices in the Lord. But we're not just talking about emotions here. In fact, we sung, a, the first song was mentioned, our heart. Um, in the Bible, our heart is the centre of our being. Our thoughts and plans and will and, um, and, and decision, as well as deep emotion, come from our heart. It's our whole being. So in Hannah's case, the Lord was now the focus of her confident joy. It's our whole, whole being is a, in that confident joy. And in the Lord, her strength uh, is lifted high. That's the horn metaphor. The metaphor, the horn, is a, a metaphor for strength. It's lifted high. Her mouth boasts. Uh, literally, it's quite funny this, I think. Um, literally, her mouth is widened as she boasts. Uh, she, my mouth boasts over my enemies. You could read it, my mouth is widened over my enemies. Now, if you're a, a if you've, some, a lot of us are, are parents, you might have read this book. Remember this book, The Big Wide Mouth Frog? Does anyone else remember that book? No? Oh, yes, a few? Good, okay, classic story. I won't spoil the ending now, um, but um, you can read it for yourself. But this is, the, this is a funny sort of idea. This big wide-mouthed frog, he goes through the story and boasts about what he does eating flies. But he boasts and boasts to all his friends about eating flies. Now, funny enough, this is what that widened, that boasting, her mouth boasting means. Uh, she's boasting about her enemies. Now, who are her enemies? Well, maybe Peninnah, that, that, uh, the other wife. I'm really not sure. But it's an indication of her confidence she has in the Lord. And look at the reason. Look at the reason for the, this joy in Hannah's heart, the lifting of her horn, the wideness of her mouth. At the end of verse 1 there, uh, for I delight in your deliverance. The ESV says, I rejoice in God's salvation. Now, at this point, I don't know about you, I, I, not to play down what Hannah's gone through, I don't want to do that. But isn't this just a little over the top? Isn't it? Just a little overstated? Like, yes, okay, yes, having a baby is a great miracle, and there's a story behind that with Hannah. It's answered prayer. It's a, it, yeah, it's a big deal. But does it warrant this sort of language? It feels a little like that soccer player, you know, the, the soccer player who scored the, his first goal ever for the local fourth division suburban side and he rolls on the ground with his hands on his face and he, in this disbelief in ecstasy and tears of joy that he's scored a goal for the local little side. Um, it's a bit over the top, it's a bit much. Is that what's going on? Hannah's language really sounds, like, sounds more like some victorious army commander than a new mum. But Hannah, just like her prayer in chapter 1, is using the language of Israel's history. She's not focusing on herself at all. Her focus is on God. 
And she rejoices in the God who saves, the God who delivers. Her words are not over the top because they're, not, they're about God working. God's salvation, God saving his people, God working out his plan. And Samuel's going to be part of that plan. What we begin to see is that Hannah's story at the beginning of 1 Samuel stands out because there's a connection yet to be played out between Hannah's story and Israel's story. Her use of language helps us to see that God's goodness to her was in a sense a representation of God's goodness to Israel. So the birth of Samuel stands out at the beginning of 1 Samuel because there's a, a connection, again, yet to be played out, between Samuel and the story of God's salvation of his people Israel. In fact, Hannah's, Hannah's uh, faith in God, see in verse 2, a little bit like Moses' uh, faith in God at the time of the Exodus. Uh, compare these two verses. Exodus 15, verse 11. Who among the gods is like you, Moses said? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And Hannah prayed, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Faith that the Bible speaks of says that this God cannot be set alongside other options. That might be the focus of our hopes, our confidence and our dreams. Hannah knew, just as the Israelites who came out of Egypt knew, she knew the stupidity of allowing anything to rival God. This holy God, this rock, he's the incomparable God. There was no one besides him. There was no one like him. There is no competition. So I ask you again, do you believe in God? Do you think you believe in God like Hannah believed in God? Well, verses 3 to 8 sort of work as, a, as I said, a, the body of the prayer. Uh, we see a radically different view, the radically different view Hannah had of everything in the world because of her faith expressed in verses 1 and 2. So I point to an outline there. God is the God who transformed, uh, transforms us. See, first mentioned is human pride. God transforms our human pride. Verse 3, Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. So God is the God who knows. He's not distant. He's, not, he's personal. He knows us. He knows all. There are no secrets with him. There's nothing unknown to him. The websites you look at, the comments that you make on social media, your conversations, your thoughts. God is the God who knows. You cannot deceive him. And human pride is a form of pretending that you can. Pretending that God doesn't know. Pretending that God can't see. And so pride-filled talk full of... Um, Self-centeredness, self-confidence and self-sufficiency, talk that ignores God, has no place in the lives of those who believe in the God who knows all. Let me, let me challenge you for a minute. Take a moment and, and look, at the things you've done, uh, look at the things you've done today. If you need a bit more, think about the last week. Can you see them weighed by God? As verse 3 says by the God who knows. So think about your abilities. What are you good at? Think about your achievements. Getting a picture in your head now. Your triumphs and successes. Things that can lead to pride and self-sufficiency. 
all our actions should be seen in the light that they are weighed up, weighed by God. As Psalm 16 says, our motives are weighed by God. Let me read uh, just the same verse from the Holman Christian Standard Version, um, which is a good translation of the Bible. Um, it says, For the Lord is a, God who is a God of knowledge. All actions are weighed by him. So when you think about your last week, think about them in that light, that they are weighed by God. And when we do that, arrogant talk is silenced. Let me illustrate this a little bit. I love the scene um, of the old movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, big fan of that movie. I loved growing up um, as a rugby player and not as a Scotsman, but anyway. Um, so this is, the, this is the story of Eric Little. Uh, if you've seen it before, if you haven't seen it, your life um, is not complete. You need to go and see it. Um, go and you'll find it somewhere on some dusty shelf, uh, the Chariots of Fire. Eric Little, who's, who's um, rugby winger, who is an Olympic champion, a missionary to China. He says to his sister, toward the end of the movie, who wants him to go back to China and serve there, he says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I love it. I love it for lots of reasons. Um, but I love it because I think he knows that his running, his missionary work, his Olympic champion, um, whatever, whether their achievements, whatever his achievements are, well, they are weighed by God. He does them knowing that they're weighed by God. They're judged by him. Our attitude to those things, our attitude to, to our achievements, our successes, triumphs, whatever they are, must consider the God who knows. Well, in, in the following verses, and we won't, won't spend much time on these following verses, but uh, verses 4 to sort of 8, end of 8, uh, Hannah lists a bunch of things that generate human pride. You can sort of see them there and shows how differently they look when the incomparable God who knows all is taken into account. So that, it's power that turns the world upside down. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Now, perhaps Hannah's thinking of Egypt again. Maybe it's the ever-threatening Philistines. Uh, we're not, it's not mentioned. But the Lord de demolishes human power. But those who stumbled, that's the weak, well, they are armed with strength. So it won't be long as we read through 1 Samuel that we're, we meet a young lad who, um, who is armed only with a few little stones and a slingshot, yet he takes down a Philistine giant. If you were a betting soldier watching on on that day, well, you, you, young David hardly, had, hardly was the odds-on favourite. Unless, that is, you saw things as Hannah did. And knew that there is really no rock like our God. With him, strength does not depend on human power. With him, those who stumble are armed with strength. So human power, human weakness look completely different if you believe in God as Hannah believed in God. That's really the theme in verses 5 to 8. Power that turns the world upside down. But let's skip down to the end of verse 8. In fact, before we do that... Verse 8 really holds it all together. But we ought to pause and ask ourselves, do you see life as Hannah did? Let's not gloss over this. Let's answer honestly. 
See, what is your attitude to various forms of human power? Is human power where our security and safety lies? Or do you see wealth as a means of security? Do you feel, do you fear being weak or poor? Do you care if you are seen as unimportant? How do you think about life and death? Of course, there are, there's, there's human answers to these things, and there are probably some good answers too. But there are also answers that come from actually believing in the God who knows all. What Hannah's prayer pushes us to do is to ask, where is the Lord, the God who knows all, in our real thinking about life? So at the end of verse 8, there are two lines that simply state why believing in God must so radically transform our attitude to everything. And nothing, including his, this world, runs independently of God. It all belongs to him and is dependent on him in every way. Last line of verse 8. For the foundations of the, the earth are the Lord's. Upon, him, upon them he has set the world. So we ask again, do you believe in God? Well, let's pull a few things together here and uh, look at these last two verses. Hannah's prayer focuses on the God who is victorious. Uh, as some of you know, and, and uh, the hints may be in my limp now and then, I'm playing a bit of rugby at the moment, and for various good reasons, I believe. Um, so I'm playing for the Bow Blacks, playing their, their triumphant third grade. Um, you feel God's pleasure when you play. Thank you. I do feel God's pleasure when I play. Um, God has a funny way of showing pleasure sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> Certainly feel it. Uh, <laughs> um, Although I actually couldn't play yesterday because I've hurt my knee a little bit. I've also hurt my hammy in my shoulder, but apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but um, it's been a while since I last played. It's been 18 years, to be precise. That's quite a gap between games from the start of this season to the end of last, last time. Um, although that season, 18 years ago, I played for the mighty Manning River Rats, and um, that's up at Taree, and uh, we went through undefeated and we won the grand final. And so naturally, when I started playing this year, well, joking around just a little, I said to the guys, I said, I haven't lost a game of rugby in 18 years. <laughs> it's true, I haven't. Um, there's a bit of a gap there of playing, of course. Uh, friends, in these last couple of verses, we read of the God of the universe who's never lost. He's victorious. He's never lost. He's always on a winning streak. Um, so as we read these concluding verses, this is what the world looks like. This is what the world looks like when your heart rejoices in the Lord and when you rejoice in, in his salvation, in his deliverance. Hannah knows with the Lord there are winners, there are losers, and then there's God's king. Well, look at this. There's the winners in verse 9. Uh, he will guard the feet of his saints, or faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It's not by strength that one prevails. So the winners will be, not be the strong, the powerful, the wealthy, the famous, the beautiful people, the popular, the successful. He who has the most toys in the end will not win. Human might and human wisdom will not be the last word. So let's not place those human words over and above knowing the words of God. If you haven't noticed the clash of these words, humans' words versus God's words, then there's every chance you don't believe in the God who speaks the true and living word. 
Verse 10, there's the losers. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. If you set yourself up against the Lord, you will not win. 1 Samuel will demonstrate this and, uh, and will help us to see this is true today. Now, all this is leading up to a climax in the prayer, in this song, which really is a prophecy. It's a prophecy because, well, it's, a king is mentioned, but they have no king. They're still looking for a king. They certainly look forward to one, but at this point there was none. So this verse is a little unexpected. It says there, in the halfway through verse 10, The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and the exalted and exalt the horn, power, of his anointed. Not only does Hannah speak of God's king, she calls that king his anointed, uh, Messiah in the Hebrew. She didn't know who God's anointed king would be and maybe she had little Samuel in mind. I don't know. Her words don't identify the king. They simply tell us that the Lord will give him strength and raise his horn, his power. The Lord who raised Hannah's horn will do the same thing for his anointed king. So in some ways, that's really the theme of 1 Samuel. Who is God's anointed king? Hannah's prayer certainly raises that question with the implication that the answer to Israel's leadership crisis will be found in this future king. Well, before we pray, um, we must take note of one more remarkable fact of this little section in 1 Samuel 2. See, around a thousand years later, give or take, another woman prayed a prayer that sounded much like the one we've read today. Mary's prayer. It's the one that Action Jackson read to us earlier. Um, Mary knew what Hannah knew, plus some. Mary had been told that the child she would have was to be a very great king, the greatest king, whose kingdom would never end. Mary knew that this king would turn the world upside down. As we look at the whole Bible story, Hannah's song is an anticipation of Mary's song. The question for us then, for whom God's King Jesus has come, is whether we believe in God. The God that Hannah, and for that matter Mary, prayed to and trusted in. How about I pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you're a God who speaks to us. Lord, there are some real challenges as we read your word today about our belief in you and what difference that makes. Lord, it certainly made a difference in Hannah's life and Mary's as well. Lord, we pray that, and that um, as we believe in you, we won't make you just another thing to do or believe in but Lord that you uh, shape and form and dictate all that we do and so Lord we ask that you would help us with that Lord thank you that you are indeed victorious and as we trust in you Lord we're on the winning side help us to remember that Lord thank you Lord that you sent your son Jesus your great anointed king who is on his throne now. Lord, we thank you that he died for us and he rose again 
And we thank you that we can know you through him. In Jesus' name, amen.